crush it with everything you do in life. That is the power of the Home Business Radio Network. Well, welcome back to The Zone, the Slight Edge Zone. This is Tony Canuli, the host for the Slight Edge Zone and the marketing director for the Home Business Radio Network. And I tell you, you guys are in for an unbelievable treat here over the next couple of weeks. I, I have a really, really top-notch, great friend of mine, somebody who's been around network marketing for over three decades. Actually, you know, it's funny because I've had some unbelievable people on the zone here in the last six to 12 months, and people like Jim Fobert and Larry Thompson and many other great speakers, Randy Schrader, as all of you know and listen to, but... Richard has had more impact. His name's Richard Call. He's had more impact on me and my career. Uh, I got involved with a company that he was in back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. And I tell you what, I, I just was a sponge. Anywhere he went, anything he said, anything he spoke about, I was there. And uh, Richard is going to be sharing his story today with the Home Business Radio Network listeners in over 100 countries. And I'm super excited about it. And, uh, you know, just a little background, Rich is going to share his story, so I don't want to cover it all in depth. You know, he started off three decades ago, over three decades in network marketing. He's earned over $50 million in commissions in his career. And he has impacted more people that, I, that you just wouldn't even believe. I know so many hundreds of people, thousands of people, but hundreds in particular that have become six- and seven-figure earners as a result of Richard's mentorship and leadership and guidance. He is a straight shooter, as straight as it gets. And one of the things I absolutely love about Richard is he just says it the way it is, true passion, all hard. He's like a Rocky within the network marketing space. And with that, I have my good friend here, Richard Call, on the line. Richard, welcome to the Slight Edge Zone. I am really fired up to have you on the show today. Tony, thank you so much for that introduction. I really appreciate it. Why don't you share with everybody your background, what, you know, what, where you were when you first got into network marketing, because a lot of our listeners, you know, they're new to this. They've been in a year or two. They really don't know what they don't know yet, as you and I have spoken about many, many times in the past. Why don't you just share with everyone where you were years ago in that first, that, that meeting, that faith meeting that, that allowed you to see what you see today and uh, start the interview off. And let's move forward, and then we've got some great things I know we're going to cover with the audience. Sure. Um, you know, I go back to 1978. Uh, I had three real estate companies, an insurance company, and I was doing very well. And, you know, everything in life, to me, is by a stroke of fate. Everyone. Nobody, like I always say, no one gets into, and I love to call it multi-level marketing, because that's what it was called when I got in, not network marketing, but multi-level marketing, you know. Uh, sometimes people try and change the name around because the stigma that uh, multi-level marketing has, oh, you're in that thing, uh, you're in the pyramid. And, you know, to me, yeah, that's another whole story. To me, life is a pyramid. Working for the corporation is a pyramid because you got the CEO up there, the, the managers, uh, you know, the presidents, the vice presidents, the, the workers, uh, and, and, and then you have the, you know, the middle management, you have the person that sweeps the floors. The chances of him getting to be CEO would be one in a quadrillion, billion, quadrillion. Can't do it. Never happened. In multi-level marketing, you can go beyond the person that brought you in. I understood that, uh, you know, the longer I was in multi-level marketing. But everything is a story. Everything happens by a stroke of fate. We had tickets to go see Bette Midler Front Row Center for probably three, four months. We were going with three other couples, 
It was a Friday. My wife had on a brand new car a tiny leak in her muffler. Uh, well, we thought it was the muffler because she smelled gas. And here it is on a Friday, 20 after 4. I should have never even tried to execute this because I'm getting ready to be picked up at 6 o'clock uh, and, uh, with three other couples. But me, I like, to, I like to get things done. And I'm even saying to myself, what the heck are you doing this now for? And why don't you take the car back to the new car dealership? It was only two, two weeks old, but I don't do things like that. I don't like dealing with a new car dealership. Never did after I bought a car. And these things may not be important to the person that's listening to this, but this is what makes Richard call tick. So here I go, and I go to, to Jim, the Sunoco gas station, where I've always gone to, and I said, Jim, I said, there's a tiny leak here. He said, Richard, Abbotton Cadillac is seven-tenths of a mile down the road. I said, you know the way I am. I'm not going back there. Can you take a look at it? He said, well, okay. He puts it up on a lift, puts it down, and says to me, well, you're going to have to go to them because you do have a tiny leak in your muffler, and, and you need a torch to fix that. I am not licensed for a torch. So I said, where else can I go? He said, just like this. He said, well, you can go three and a half miles across town to the Midas Muffler Shop, and that's what I did. Drove in there, and of course, the fellow says to me, this is a brand new car, isn't it? And I, long story short, yeah, please, can you just fix it for me? Puts it up on the lift. It's done in three minutes, and uh, I'm paying the check and uh, with the check, and I don't even think I had a credit card back then. That's how many years ago this was. And he says to me, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Are you making all the money you would like to make? And I'm not a wise guy. To me, you can learn from anyone. He was probably making at that time twelve to fifteen thousand a year. I was probably making sixty, seventy-five thousand a year. We would have never been friends. We just would, we would have never been in the same social uh, circles. We, we, you know, we just never would have been. And I looked at him. And he said, he said to me, "Are you making all the money you want?" I just said, just like this. I said, "Yeah." I said, "I do pretty well." And the next question, which totally turned my life around, was he said, do you have freedom? And I looked at him, and I said, what do you mean by freedom? Just like that, like, what do you mean by freedom? He said to me, can you do anything you want to do, whenever you want to do it, without ever once thinking of how much, how much it costs? And I said, well, nobody can, do, nobody can do that. And he said to me, well... I had to be involved in a business like that. Now, he had grease all over his uniform. Why didn't I say to him, what the heck are you talking to me about freedom when you're behind the counter of a Midas muffler shop with grease all over your uniform? But I didn't say that. Because to me, and most people don't realize it, opportunity comes disguised in many forms. I've always said, if there were a child in the supermarket came up to me and the parents taught that child how to say, my mommy and daddy are in the greatest business in the world. I'm the type of person that would say, where is your mommy and daddy? Where maybe the average person would pat the child on the head and be gone. So you never know where opportunity come from. So here I am on a Friday night. It's now probably, oh, quarter to five or so. I got to get home. I said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you'd have to come to a meeting to find out. I said, okay, where's the meeting? He takes out of his back pocket a little calendar. He said, well, we have one tonight, and we have one tomorrow, and we have one the next day. And I said, in other words, you have one every day. 
I go, yeah, where is the one tonight? And he gave me the address. And being in real estate, you know, I had a hackstrom which told me where every, you know, the address of every home. I come home, it's exactly 10 to 5. 10 to 5, my wife is wiping the table down from giving uh, the children dinner. And I said to her, honey, you're not going to believe this. We have to go hear about something tonight that sounds too good to be true. And she said, honey, we got tickets. We got Being the, the person I am, to make a long story short, we went. And we gave those tickets next door to uh, uh, friends of ours, Carol and Jerry. And now we pull up to this house to hear about an opportunity that can give me freedom. The house to the left was foreclosed. The one to the right didn't look too much better. And the one we walked into, Tony, was so deplorable. The people there, when I opened the door, hi, 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 yeah, how's everything? I said, and I say to somebody, yeah, uh, what is this all about? Do you know? One person would say, I don't know. This is my third time at the meeting, and my wife won't tell me what it's about. I said, oh, okay. And I was so embarrassed for my wife that we had tickets to bet middle and this one and that one. Nobody knew anything that was going on. But here's the fellow from Midas Muffler. He comes in, nice black suit on, nice tie. He uh, unscrews three legs of a whiteboard, and I'll never forget the meeting he gave. He said, uh, just like this, he says, uh, this here is you, and he drew a big circle, and uh, you sponsor this person. He drew a line down, drew a smaller circle, and that person sponsors a person here in New York, and that person, well, I'm not going to go on with that, but that's the way he spoke, and I'm so embarrassed. I get embarrassed very easily for other people, which I shouldn't. It's not my responsibility. And then he goes from from New York to Florida to California to Texas to Japan to this to that. And you're going to make money on all those people, and you may never see them in your life. That turned me on because I had never seen marketing like that. Now, did I check out the company? Did I check? I'm a person that gets very excited. I'm a person that believes. There are a lot of people uh, in this world, they just don't believe. They don't get involved. They have to know everything. I'm not that type of person for whatever reason because I've had a pretty good life. I've done a lot of big deals just on a handshake. And after that, you know, I said, well, how do I get involved in this? Well, you have to have a meeting at your home. And all I did was invite my friends and say, listen, I can't promise you anything. I'm having a meeting here. A partner of mine is going to be here to tell you what it's all about. Love for you to be there. If you can't, let me know so I could uh, uh, have a seat for someone else. That's how I got into multi-level marketing. Did I do well in that program? No. But it was the best. When I think back, it wasn't the program. I didn't have the urgency. I was doing too well. It wasn't that I, I, I needed something. You know, It wasn't that I had to have something. We did unbelievable, but no one duplicated us. We sponsored a tremendous amount of people, but they didn't. And as I look back, I knew more than my sponsor. I didn't know about duplication. I didn't know about finding a person at that meeting and seeing them excited and saying to them, hey, do you like this? You know, at a break, we would have a break. Yeah. I said, why don't we now go into your house on, let's say, three days from now and then take all the people from this house and back and forth we're going to go and back and forth until we have to open up uh, in a hotel, which we did in, in a very short amount of time. And I'll never forget the first meeting. The room held 200 people, and uh, somebody came up to me and said, Richard, these people are really ticked off. They can't get in. I said, that is great. That is great that they can't get in. Next week they'll be here earlier. 
And we had, and there was over 200 people that couldn't get into the meeting. By the fourth week, I had over a thousand people uh, at, at these meetings, and that's the way we grew. We grew and we grew. Some people made it, some people didn't. The people that didn't make it didn't even know what the whole program was about. There was no one that is going to tell me that there is a better opportunity in this entire world than multi-level marketing. No one's going to tell me that. When I think about it, you don't have to really expend a penny because you're putting it on your credit card, and if you do it right, by the time the bill comes, you've sold enough product to pay that. Well, I could literally say that this industry has never cost me one penny out of my pocket, not one penny. And I don't load up on products, and I don't teach people to load up. I have never, ever front-loaded a person where they have to have all these products in their garage. I believe in the industry. I believe it is the greatest way. And people that don't understand that are missing out on the biggest secret as far as I'm concerned, especially today with the economy being what it is. No one is going to show me anything in the world out there better than this thing for multi-level marketing. Of course, there's a lot of companies that start off. either they, And believe me, I paid my dues. I went four years without really making a penny. Either the companies were uncapitalized, either they planned it that way, uh, uh, but, but I always believed that this is the way I was going to make it. And one day, my first wife, Carol, um, may she rest in peace, she said to me, you know, everybody talks about their rags to riches stories. We're going backwards. You're doing unbelievable. You know, you're not concentrating on the business because I am an all or nothing person. And I said, you know, you're right. And I said, I feel like I'm cutting off my right arm. And if I can never make it in this industry, I'll feel that life cheated me. Because I did. We did travel around for 28 days through our upline all over the East Coast. And uh, I saw people that had lifestyles. It wasn't the money that impressed me. But their lifestyle, that they were on vacation January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. I mean, I couldn't take it. How do you do that? And running a business out of your home in 1978, you weren't considered successful at all. A person works out of their house, how su successful could they be? But I followed these people, and I got it inside my gut, inside my brain, and said there's nothing else that I want to do. There's absolutely nothing else I want to do in life. And that's my story on how I got involved you know, in multi-level marketing. And, of course, that first company that you started in was like going to school. You know, and it's the same company that I started with, the biggest company today sure. in, in the profession, right? Sure. It, it, but you learned a lot. If it hadn't been for those four years where you, right. you were going backwards, would you right. be where you are today potentially, you know? Okay. And, it was the greatest college I could have ever gone to in my life, the greatest, no question. But you know what, Tony, as I look back, I wasn't ready for it at that time. And most people... Come into this industry, it all has to do with when people say, you know, people say, Rich, you're the greatest sponsor in the world. You're the great baloney. If I could be lucky enough to be in front of a person who's at the right place at the right time in their life and they're ready to take action, then I've sponsored someone very, very, very well. But that doesn't happen to anyone. You don't have to be. There are no secrets in this industry. I don't care who you are. You have to be lucky enough to be in front of the person who's at the right place at the right time in their life. Simple as that. Simple. Somebody that's really looking for something. Not someone that's looking to get rich quick scheme, that, that, that type of thing. 
because this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is very hard. This business, as far as I'm concerned, the simplest business in the world, but not the easiest business. Not the easiest business, but simple. As long as someone follows a plan and they follow what they're supposed to do every day, not today and maybe next week a day. And maybe, I work this business still today, and I'm 73 years old. I work at 22 to 24 hours a day. And, you know, somebody can say, well, how can you work something 24 hours a day? I do it. I find the time. You know, in this, in this industry or in any industry, they say you want to go to, you want to go to someone that has absolutely no time at all. That's the best person you could prospect. Not a person that says, oh, I got all the time in the world. You know, all I do is sit home and watch television. I, I, I'm not interested in a person like that. I'm interested in a go-getter. I'm interested in a person that wants to do better for themselves, for their family, for their loved ones. That's all I'm interested in. And you know what? There's an industry that I've always said, if you could sponsor two unbelievable people a year, two, not three, you get a third one, God, thank you, give it to someone else. Two, in three years, <laughs> you'd build a business that you couldn't even imagine. Rich, you, you've done that. I'm glad you brought that up, Richard. Why don't you go into the next stage after you went to college and what's happened to you, you know, during those times in news? Can you actually, what you're talking about, you have accomplished. Why don't we go into that and, and give people an idea of really what you're talking about? Well, I did. As a matter of fact, after when we, on our, I guess, our 28th day, I used to say a month, but it was 28 days we were on the road, and we're driving back. My wife is driving. I'm driving. And whoever wasn't driving is making a list and a list and a list and a list. And um, we get back home, and I was really bothered. I was bothered by the freedom that I saw. And I will tell you right now, there is nobody in this entire world that has more freedom than Richard Call. Maybe as much, but they can't have more. And other people like me that have done well in this industry. It is impossible to have the freedom to know what it is to get up every day and do exactly what you want to do, to go to bed exactly when you want to go to bed, and do anything. I mean, I know right now if I wanted to, and I used to do this in the younger days, I could say to my wife right now, this second, honey, let's take a, a what do you call it? let's uh, uh, get a, a jet, a private jet, let's go to Italy, and just let's go for kicks to have pizza for lunch and then come back. That is an unbelievable feeling, just knowing, and believe me, I don't just spend money like that. I don't. But to do it once is an unbelievable feeling. That is freedom. And I'll never forget going to someone that was very, very wealthy. And that's when I was in the Cambridge diet. And he was in the same building as me. And I went upstairs and he said, Rick, he said to me, enough with those cans, you know, the cans at Cambridge. He said to me, uh, you know how successful I am. I even live in a better area than you. I live on the water. And I, this, he was like kind of a, not a wise guy, but, you know, he thought who he was. So I said to him, Sal, you know what? I said, here's what I'd like to do. I said, Cal and I would like to take you and your wife on a fully paid trip, first class, first class to Hawaii. He says, all right, what's, what's the gimmick here? I said, there is no gimmick. He said, you're going to take me and my wife to Hawaii, all expenses paid. I said, yeah, for a week, all expenses paid, the, the finest hotel, the finest food, the finest everything. He goes, you're on. He said, what's the catch? I said, there's only one catch. We're leaving tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, and I haven't even made the plans yet. He said, well, I can't do that. And I said, then don't tell me about your freedom. And I took the two cans off the desk, went downstairs to my office, 
And lo and behold, five minutes later, he comes in and he said, I didn't like what you said. What do you, what do you mean uh, 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 with this freedom thing? Tell me more about this company. He got in, made millions and millions, retired, and, and now you know, that's one of so many stories that I can tell. You know, you were talking about how just, just two people a year, just two of the right people right. that you could work on. You know, you'll give away the third. I love that. Um, and that's not beyond you. I know that to be true. Uh, but, you know, you were talking about that, and I wanted everybody to kind of get an understanding of, of what you went through and, and that unbelievable success that you went through in, in those early years and, and where you were. I just That story is amazing, right up through Newskit. I went through plenty of disappointments. Plenty. You know, there's an old saying, Tony, in this industry, my wife and I didn't both quit on the same day. There's a lot of disappointment like anything else in life. Everything doesn't go well. Everybody, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Rich, I love it, I'm in. And they're going to go out and build a tremendous organization. Like anything else, you go through an awful lot. You know, this one's up today, they're down tomorrow. It's like any business. There's no, there's no difference than any other business. But being fortunate enough, look, when my daughter Laura got into the industry at 22, today she's 47, she's a gazillionaire, uh, 10 times over. And when she said at 22, Dad, I want to do what you and Mommy are doing, she could have had a job with anyone. They wanted her on Wall Street. And I said, well, you can't go to our friends. You can't go to our family. Who are you going to go to, your 22-year-old friends? What the heck are they going to do with it? Now, 22 years old, 25 years ago is a lot different than a 22-year-old today. They're a lot sharper, so much sharper. She just did what she had to do. You know, she her favorite line was, Hi, you an open-minded person. If I could show you a way to earn an extra $5,000 a month, would you be interested in hearing about that? And I taught her never, ever talk about that in person. Exchange business cards. Get that person to come to you and then go, go over the plan with them. That's all you have to do. But really what this business comes down to, and there is no such thing as easy business and you're going to make it fast in the business. Everything is work. Everything is work. When I think of the times that I worked, that I, that I would be exhausted beyond belief, my head would hit the pillar, and I'd be up 15 minutes later. 15 minutes later making more lists, making more this, making more, because I believe so much in the industry and I believe that all I need is someone that thinks like me and is in the same position as me. And that's all I had to do. That's all I had to do. But um, looking back at the industry, I couldn't have got in a better industry if my life depended on it than this. It has given me everything that I've ever thought that life should be all about. And it's not all about money. And to me, you know, people will say success. To me, success is not about making Millions of dollars a year or hundreds of thousands a year. To me, success is being the best husband, being the best father, being the best grandfather, being the best friend, being the best you can be. And then when you've made it, help other people try and make it. And then sit back and applaud those people when they're in your group. I mean, I hear stories of people that are in someone's organization and now they're starting to do really, really unbelievable. And they'll play that person down. Well, I really don't listen to that. You know, there's a lot of junk that goes on, just like any other industry. I've always been, boy, if I could help somebody, that is the greatest achievement that I could accomplish. Not how much money I can make, but change a person's life. When people ask me today, what do I do? You know, what do I, what do you do for a living? I help change people's lives. And they'll say, no, seriously, what do you do? So let me tell you, I've changed hundreds, hundreds of lives. 
And those hundreds have changed thousands of lives. And if everybody understood this, and we're on the same page, and that's what their focus was, just to really help people, oh, what a world this would be. And what a, what a phenomenal business that person would have without thinking ever, how much can I make on this person? Let me load them up on products and let me, no, it's helping people. Helping people that don't even know of another way. And let me tell you, the whole work world, you know, look, I love education. I never finished high school, never did. Uh, you know, I, I earned more than my teachers. Uh, it didn't make sense to me. Ate better than them. Uh, had a better car than them. You know, school is great. School is absolutely great. All my kids went to college. All of them graduated. Uh, but school to me, all they teach you is theory. They do not teach you how to become wealthy. They do not teach you about business. They just don't. They should have courses like this when the person first goes to school and teaching them how to work with people and teaching them that they're going to have to earn a living. You know, I never had a teacher say to me, I mean, I was a class clown. I was voted the most likely not to succeed. I never had a teacher say to me, hey, Richard, Richard, one day you're going to get married. What are you going to do to support? What are you going to do to support your family? Never even thought of that. Not at 13, 14, 16, never thought of that. You know, one day I hired a big uh, Rolls Royce limo and picked up five of my teachers and went to, to lunch with them and told them I was disappointed in all of them. I was disappointed that they didn't make me see how I should have been in school, how I should have studied more. Because school to me, it just it didn't come easy to me. Uh, I raised my hand once and gave a wrong answer, and everybody laughed. I never raised my hand after that again. And I come from a very tough, tough background. Uh, I do. My parents weren't wealthy at all, not even <laughs> nothing. And sometimes I look back, Tony, how I got to where I got uh, totally amazes me. I was just at the right place at the right time, and a Midas Muffworth man asked me, hey, you making all the money you would like to make? Do you have freedom? If it wasn't for that... I would have had a nice, comfortable life, but nothing like I have today. Nothing like I have today. You know, let's talk a little bit about that, Richard. You know, you talk about freedom. And when I, you know, what hit me when I first saw you, first heard you speak, and then saw you in, in live back in the late 80s, you talked about freedom. And you talked about, you know, principles and concepts that I could relate to at my age at that time. And you know, we talked about this last night about, you know, some people just don't see it. They don't get it. You know, you had a tape early on that, that tape, there was some unbelievable knowledge shared on it. To you, it was like gold, you know, because you knew there were secrets on there or advice or knowledge that would help you get freedom, which you were looking for. You know, and, and we talked about desire because, of course, we know there's three principles that somebody has to have. Every leader I've ever interviewed, everybody I've ever worked with and almost three decades myself here, has three things that when they become successful. Number one, a burning desire, just like you and I talked about. You will almost go through walls. Number two, you had to have a work ethic because you can have the desire, Richard, but as you know, unless you're willing to do the thing, you know, and actually do the work and make the contacts and do the, you know, and stay on course, forget about it. Nothing's going to matter. And, of course, number three is, you know, you learn eventually to be teachable. You learn to listen to people that have gone to just like you learned early on with those tapes, just like I did early on as well. And so those three tenants were there. And when I first met you, and you talked about freedom, and you know, I remember, I, to this day it gives me goosebumps. I remember we were at a huge event, and everybody wanted to talk to you. You just got done speaking, and I was a couple rows back from where you were seating. All the leaders were at the front. 
And uh, I remember walking up to you and grabbing you with my right arm by the shoulder and spinning you around and grabbing your hand with both of my hands. And I'm lucky you didn't pop me because, you know, I mean, that was pretty aggressive. But I was so excited to, to meet you because your message of freedom was so clear. And, and, and I was fired up. And I, I never forget that. I mean, that's how you impacted me. And we talked about that. And your belief system, you transferred your belief system to me at that this business, number one, was worth it. And if you were willing to pay a price, you could have it. And then talked about just those couple people a year that we, we discussed where you were able to transfer your belief system to a Mark Yarnell, for instance, or a Jerry Campese or many, many other people you've affected. Let's talk about that. Because when I first heard you speak, you were making at that time more in a month than most CEOs in America were in a year. And you heard me right, audience. That's absolutely true. Now, but, oh, but you weren't talking about the money. You were talking about freedom. And let's discuss that. And, and you know, the story, and I know, you know, obviously what happened with Carol, and we were able to do things that most people would never, almost nobody would be able to do as a result of that freedom. And so when I talk about Richard Call, I'm not talking about how much money he made. I'm talking about how what you were able to do with your wife, for instance, when she was sick and how you were able to be there for her. That story is an amazing story. It gives me tears every time I think about it because it's just so real. And, you know, anyway, um, but I would love to get into to that and love for everybody to hear that because, once again, it's very special. Well, <clears throat> when Carol and I was just going to put out a um, today, you know, for Facebook when I put out these messages, and uh, I was just going to do that today, but I'm going to go over it with you now. When Carol contracted cancer, that was the biggest down downer in my life. I will never forget that. She was always checked for, I guess, the woman go for fibrosis, I think, for the breast. And when the chief of surgery of the hospital, who was a friend of ours, said, uh, I want to take Carol and we, we, we want to really examine her closely and we want to do surgery. And I'm not to get to saying to him, Alice, you, you don't think there's cancer, do you? He goes, I don't think so, but we want to check. When he came out of the operating room and took off his hat and looked white as a ghost and said to me, Richard, Carol has one of the most aggressive cancers that I've seen. Maybe she has... 90 days, maybe. I got so infuriated. I got so mad at him. And I said, you promised me that she wouldn't have cancer. You promised me. And I was like livid beyond belief. That was the saddest day, one of the saddest days of my life. And I said, you're going to go in there and you're going to tell her that everything is okay. And he said, I can't do that. I'm a medical doctor. I can't do that. I said, well, I will go in there and tell her that. And when I walked through the room, she was in recovery. She was like a little dazed, you know, from, I guess, all the medication which she was went through. And this girl, I will say, is one of the most perfect people I have ever met in my life. Never said a bad thing about anyone. Just a beautiful human being. <clears throat> she sat up in bed, and uh, she said to me, honey, I know we... I know that I have cancer, breast cancer, and we'll get through this. And with a smile, with a smile on her face. And uh, that was on a Thursday. On Tuesday, she was with me at the Holiday Inn doing a meeting. I will never forget that. And, you know, and because of that, when people say to me, well, my wife couldn't make it to the meeting, she had a slight headache, 
or I couldn't make, I had a backache. I don't accept that. I truly don't accept that at all. Don't. Then it was up to me, I, you know, 90 days. And I never discussed that with her and said to her, you know, the doctor said you have 90 days. Started building homes. Uh, just beautiful homes all over. Going over with the architect, with the plans and everything, and saying to her, you promised me you'll be here until this house is completed. you got to promise me that. And she started coming around and started feeling good. We go for, you know, examinations, and uh, it looks good, it looks bad. I mean, back and forth every single, every day, every day. And um, building these homes, and then we started because of the circle we were in, hearing from people, Rich, you got to go to Russia, you got to go to England, you got to go to the Bahamas, you got to go, there's a great doctor in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Brzezinski, you got to go here, you got to go there, and we did. We went to all these different places. I'll never forget being in Germany, didn't speak the language, cold. It was a deserted piece of property there, and just the two of us are standing there. Couldn't even understand what anyone was saying. I mean, we're alone all by ourselves, but I was in accepting 90 days, and we kept going and going. All over the world we traveled, and I will always, always be grateful to this industry. That's why I love it so much. That allowed me to be with Carol 24-7. I never left her side once. I would never let her go to a doctor's appointment where maybe she got a bed. You know, uh, he said, well, this isn't healing well, and that's not. And you got a reoccurrence. Never let her drive home by herself. So I was always with her 24-7. We were together 24-7. And, um, you know... This thing went on and on. We had good times. We had bad times. We would high-five when the doctor said, don't cancel any of your uh, uh, subscriptions to magazines. You're looking good. Then she got a second primary, which was kidney cancer. Nothing to do with the breast cancer. Then got a third primary, which was a melanoma on her leg that they took so much of that away. But always a smile on her face. Always great spirits, and that taught me a lot, a tremendous amount, you know, where people say, well, I can't do it, I'll be high, bull, that's so bull, and I, and I get choked up, like I always do, <clears throat> that so many people that have everything in life that it has to offer, and they're so damn lazy about doing something, they'll hear about something great, but no, it's better to go for a beer it's better to see the football game. It's better to see the baseball game. I just don't get it. Really don't get it. But anyway, after all this, we made 15 years. 15 years. You know, I had doctors tell me, you know, Richard, you're in denial, uh, aware of science. She's got the most aggressive cancer. I didn't buy that crap. I just didn't buy it at all. And, um, Wow. Well, we did what we had to do, and I'll tell you, in those 15 years, we lived 150 lifetimes that most people don't even know about. So that's my story. Excuse me for just breaking up like this. I, 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 uh, I, I remember where you would just, wherever you, you went, where you did whatever you had to do, whatever you wanted to do, and no one had to tell you, 
that you couldn't do it. No one had to tell you you had to come back to work. Right. I remember that, and I'll tell you, that hit me so hard over the years uh, because you were a living example of true freedom. If it hadn't been right. for this profession, that would if you had been in insurance, if you had never... Oh, never. Had never. I could have never done that. And, you know, the owners of New Skin said to me, Richard, you just tell... That's before they started putting money directly into your account. They said, you just tell us where you are and that money will be wired to you and every month it was bigger and bigger and bigger uh some months to be able to get a check for 40,000 more than you got uh the the, the previous month and then 100,000 and and I don't say these things to brag or boast we did very well beyond belief in the industry and when I think about the compensation uh that we received I'll always be grateful for that but that's something that we built and that's something that I understood that the business, because we were away, goes on with or without us. I know that if I was a CEO of the biggest, if I was the CEO of Facebook, and 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 I had a the same type of uh, a thing happen to me, believe me, after a certain amount of time, I I know I would have got a call. You know, look, the board met. met and we just can't go on paying you the compensation because we owe it to our shareholders and we this and all that other nonsense. I can't imagine a person going through what we went through that has to be at a job every day that can't be with their wife. I can't even imagine what that's like. I mean, I just can't even imagine. I can't even imagine getting up and going to work and having a clear mind when you know you're not with your wife that you love so much. I can't even imagine it. Can't even imagine. So I will always be grateful to this industry, and nobody can tell me that this industry doesn't work, and nobody can tell me that this industry is a bunch of baloney and it's a pyramid. Life is a pyramid for sure, and people really care. You know, when you build in this industry, I mean, I look when I got into this industry, Tony, I didn't get into this industry to make friends. You know, I hear people. Oh, I love people, and I want to help people. No, I didn't get into the industry for that. I got into the industry to help my 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 family, my wife, my children. Today, today I can go into any, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't get in to make friends. Today, I can go into any state in the United States and probably 160 or more countries, make a phone call, and believe me, I'd be invited to someone's home. Today, I have a lot of friends. I have a tremendous amount of friends that all came through this thing called multi-level marketing. I have met some of the most beautiful, wonderful people that I've ever met in my life, ever. Wow. That, that, Midas, that, that mechanic in that Midas muffler shop, imagine if he had not had the guts, the courage, whatever term you want to use. We can I, use and I, always, I always use the word guts. I always say that had the guts to prospect me. And I say this to everybody listening to this. You never know who you're going to prospect. You never know. You may go up to someone and say, hi, you, like my daughter used to, hi, you an open-minded business person. If I can show you a way to make an extra $5,000 a month, would you be interested in hearing about that? That's it. Done. I mean, if every person, look, I made Laura become a robot. I said, just tell a story. All you are is the messenger. Everybody listening to this is a messenger. I don't care how great you are. I don't care how much money. You know, I used to think, 
when I had the Rolls Royces and the yachts and the planes and the this and that, everybody's going to come in. Baloney, they don't come in. They just don't come in. I have, I'm, not, I'm no different than somebody starting out tomorrow because people can look at what I've attained and say, well, you're special. I can never do that. I can never do that. Sometimes it's easier coming from someone that hasn't attained it yet. They just got into the industry like I did. One day, 1978, Richard Cole entered the industry of multi-level marketing. Okay? So you don't have to be a superstar, but you have to go out there and tell the same story over and over. And I said to Laura, all you got to do is, hi, my name is Laura. If I can show you what, no, thank you. Hi, my name is Laura. Hi, no, thank you. Hi, and I've taught everyone that. You're the messenger. Don't take it personally. Always know that you can get a hundred no's in the world, and you're that much closer to a yes. You never know. No one is going to tell me. I know one thing that I've always said. I'll say to someone, if I had your memory bank, knew every person you knew and looked like you, and every person you knew, they thought they were really dealing with you, but it was me, I would build a dynasty inside of six months because I know what to say. You have to take the time to be in the industry long enough to know what to say. It is that simple to me. You're a messenger. Anybody is going to tell me how great they are. All they are is a messenger telling a story. Some people tell it a little bit better than others. And people that would say to me, well, Rich, I'm broke. Look, I, I, I've dealt with people that started out of their bands. They didn't even have a home, didn't have a phone, had to go to a 7-Eleven and use that phone and be kicked away from there. That today, one person I can think of is an inch away of being a billionaire today with something that uh, he, he discovered and a big uh, company is looking at it. But anyone can do this business. Nobody is going to tell me that anyone cannot. Nobody is going to tell me that everyone can't do this business. Will they? Most people won't. Because they won't take the time out, and they're too quick to go to television and get their dreams through television, and they're too quick to party. Listen, when I got involved in this, I separated myself from everyone, and I mean everyone, that wasn't part of the business, and that can include people in the family. And some people may say, well, that's really selfish. No one was going to rob me of my freedom. No one was. And in all the years I've been in it, only one person, my daughter, on both sides of the family, got into the business. You know, hey, people- Richard, I've laughed for years in you know, my family background. Uh, you know, I've laughed, and I've said, when my family comes in to network marketing, multi-level marketing, relationship marketing, however you want to call it, it's right. time for me to get out. <laughs> so I, 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 you got one, okay? I'm, I'm still at zero. I, I think I may have a niece at one point, <laughs> though, that's paying attention. So anyway, uh, it's true, it, it is so true. But, you know, you talked about in the beginning about a couple of people. You know, just you don't, here's the good news. You don't need everybody, but it's a couple that get it. They've got that look in their eye. They've got the eye of the tiger. They saw what you saw that night that you were supposed to see Bette Midler in 1978, and they got it. And you know that. You know when they get it, and they'll go through walls. And that's what happened. And if you find a couple a year, as you so eloquently put, that's all you need. Let's talk a little bit about that, because it doesn't even have to be who you talk to. It could be someone like a Mark Yarnell. That was six generations from you, right? That seven. you touched seven, seven generations. That you touched. Then where did Mark eventually end up? Uh, first On level. your first generation, didn't he? Right, first generation, and so did Jerry. Jerry Campisi, I think, was six levels from me. 
he wound up. You know, it's a funny story about Mark. Carol comes home one day. She's coming through the garage, and I'm sitting downstairs uh, right right where the garage door opens, watching television, uh, 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 one of those uh, shows, General Hospital or something. She comes in, and she's looking at me like, what's the matter? Like, Richard's watching General Hospital? I never watched television. And I said to her, honey, and I was like shaking, I can't conceive of the money that is going to be coming in. And she says, I know. I said, no, 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 no. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Uh, this one got this one. Who got this one? He called me up and he got this one and got that. I was really shaking and I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to. I I I, I could see it. I could see this. Well, Carol made. She says we have to get out of here. We're going on vacation. I'm booking a trip because this is just too much. Just too much. And I was glad she said that. So we booked a, a trip to L.A. She did, and she said, "Please promise me you'll shut off your answering machine." And I did. And now the limo comes, and they're taking stuff out, and she forgot something. She wanted to see if it was in one of the suitcases. She goes out. I'm standing in the center hall. I'm looking left, right, left, right. I run downstairs, and I put my answering machine on. Now we get to L.A., and uh, we're in the hotel. We had a big room upstairs and a downstairs. I forget. It was a suite. And I'm upstairs on the phone. And, you know, like when you have that glazed look on you, like you're listening to a message, and she comes up and she goes, don't tell me you left your phone on, honey. Don't tell me you left your phone on. And here's the message. Hi, Richard, this is Mark Yarnell from Austin, Texas, and I'd like to talk to you. That's how I got Mark. And if it wasn't for that, we were gone for 10 days. I would have never known Mark. Never. So it goes to show you, you know, putting in that extra effort, and the same thing with Jerry Campisi. But see, I work with anyone. I don't care if they're in my organization or not. Because to me, I work for the industry. And to me, if everybody, I mean, there are people in this industry, you'll walk up to them and ask them, are you in my group? Or are you in my pay level? I mean, that is the silliest thing I've ever heard. I you was, and I talked about that. We hate, we hate it. It's disgusting behavior. Terrible, terrible behavior. I mean, you should be, especially when you start making it, you should be so grateful to help anyone, anyone. And it's those that do things like that, that do make it in the industry. Those are the people that do become very well known in the industry. People that give of themselves. Not I have never, Tony, whether it be real estate, insurance, multi-level marketing, ever looked at a person, wow, I can make this much money. I've always been a servant to people. If you do, just like Zig Ziglar said, one of the greatest words ever spoken, help enough people get what they want, and you will get what you want automatically. I mean, those, those, there are certain laws of the universe out there that a lot of us don't understand, but it's almost like big man upstairs that says, let me see what they're doing, let me see if they're worthy of it, and now I'm going to send all these people to them. And then, but then there's another thing that goes on. Let me kill some of these deals and see the type of person they are. Oh, they're still sticking around? Let me send them some more. And I believe in that with all my heart and soul. I believe everyone has to pay a price no matter what they're doing. Unless they're the luckiest human being in the world, just like winning the lotto. And, of course, you know, people that win the lotto, most of them, it gets taken away from them because they just don't know how to handle it. Well, they don't become the person that's, they don't become, you know, it's the old saying, we talked about Earl Nightingale, 
and leadership development, personal development is the saying that the person has to be worthy of that kind of income. You know, you've got to develop. In order to have more, you got to become more. And when someone wins the lotto, they, they, they haven't grown. They have not been stretched. They don't have that. And that's the other, the other coin of that, of course, Richard, as you know, you could take it all away. Just like Jim Flaubert, for instance, who, you know, lost everything in the company he owned. He made a hundred thousand a month in the eighties, lost everything with the company he owned. And then the last four years has made it back to almost seven figures again. Wow. Okay. And, and, and so, you know, there's two examples, two extremes there that you're sure. talking about, but he had the skills. He had right. the knowledge. He had the belief, right? And so it's you like you. I mean, it just says something there. The skills, the knowledge. Let me tell you, I am a person. Like you know, before we started this, I said to you, Tony. Like you'll say things to me. It just goes right over my head. I'm a person that can't be scripted. I'm a person that speaks from my heart. I can't be. I don't think I have the brains. You know, I never finished high school. There are certain things that I don't have the brains for. Or not, I shouldn't say the brains. I'm not wired for certain things. I'm not wired for details. I'm the person, show me something that I love, that I believe in, give me the football, and I will run through brick walls with it. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know all the ingredients in the product. You know, I'll never forget the first Cambridge meeting we went to, and they were up there talking about carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. And I said to Carol, I just whispered to her, I said, I, I, I can't remember all these things, carbohydrates, proteins, and I can't. I'm not interested in that. And she patted me on the leg. She said, we'll talk about this later after the meeting's over. And we got into the car. She said, don't start the car. I will learn everything about the product. You do what you do best. What you do best is you annoy a person enough to make them look at their situation in life. Either they're going to do something about it or they're not. That's, That's what you do best. And I don't know if a person that I've ever met that can excite people the way you do on real excitement, not BS, on real excitement. And that's why people like being with you, all right? And, you know, there's a, uh, <laughs> an old story. I had to go out of, out of uh, uh, the state. It was for my brother to do a meeting. And Carol couldn't go because she had a setback. So I had the idea of putting her on an audio cassette, and in those days we had a projector, and you showed. It was for my brother in Florida, and I said, Ron, if you don't have 50 people there, I'll just turn around and leave. I want you to know that. And he did. He had much more than that. And when it came time to do the meeting, I just said to everybody, uh, you know, I could do this, but I'm, this is the first meeting I'm doing without my wife, so at least I can hear her voice. And I played the tape. The meeting was great. Everyone there signed up, every single person. I think there was like 58 people that signed up. Now I'm going to North Carolina to see a, f- a person by the name of Bob Percy. And to make a real long story short, it's a very funny story. I, I, I can't find the audio cassette, and i got to do this meeting. And, I mean, the sweat is dripping down me like I can't tell you. And I said, but he says to me, Rich, what's wrong? And I stayed in a room in his house. He had a room for me and everything. And I said, I can't find the tape. He said, oh, Richard, you can do anything. You know, you can do anything. Don't, don't, don't you worry about that. But I was really worried. Now the meeting, there's going to be 100 people at this meeting. And here I am setting up the, what he called the, the projector. Still can't find the, uh, the audio cassette. And I, I always exaggerate by saying, you know, let, you know, make the story funny. A person's walking in. Do you have my cassette? Do you have my cassette? You know, just to make it funny and people would be laughing. And now here's this woman, Edith, that comes over to him as I'm still making sure the slides are right and nervous, probably one of the most I've ever been nervous, and she says to him, Bob, is this another one of those multi-level things? And he said, Edith, just, 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 just be quiet. And why did you hear? Because, and she comes over to me and says, 
Sir, I want you to know that I am the head nurse on nutrition, and I think it was the Elizabeth Hospital. I said, oh, okay. And what do you know about nutrition? He goes, Edith, will you just let him do his thing? Okay. It's time to start the meeting. I put the projector on. And the first slide on there, I, I couldn't even remember what Carol would say about it because every time she would do the nutrition part, I'd be thinking, you know, I used to always say, I put my, my, my fingers on the bridge of my nose and I would always say, God, help me from your mouth to my ears, these people. Help me make them see what I'm talking about. That's all I would, and nobody ever called me on that. Nobody ever said, Rich, why do you always hold your bridge of your nose and, and your, your eyes are closed? But anyway, the first slide was on there was a picture, it was a justice scale, with a picture of a cow down, all the way down, and a head of lettuce all the way up. And what always came to my mind was, well, as you can see, there's too much cow and not enough lettuce. That is not a balance. The next slide had it reversed. And then I said, you can see, too much lettuce and not enough cow. And I went through all of them like that, whatever came to my mind. And then the <laughs> last slide was, um, a caboose, and I said, nobody wants to be the caboose because that's the biggest train on the, you know, of all the trains. That was it, done, the lights come on. Here comes Edith over the bob, and I couldn't hear what she said, but she wanted the microphone. And she said, I want everybody to know that I've never met anyone that knows as much about nutrition as this man. Amen. I will never forget that. I called up, I called up Cal, and I said, I don't need you to do meetings anymore. I, you know, it was so funny. It was so funny, and it was true. Don't have, look, I've always said, do I know what's in the ingredients? I don't even want to waste my time, but nobody can take the product better than me. I've always been a product of the product. No matter what product I'm with, I will take that religiously, or else I'm full of baloney, and I'm just getting people in for the money. But that is the I truth. think there's another lesson in that, in, in that, Richard, too, is you know the old saying, you can't say the wrong thing to the right person, and you can't say the right thing to the wrong person at the right time. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that story. You know, I really would love for you to, to finish the story. You know, how, you know, obviously you got that call, Mark had left that message, <clears throat> you know, 30 million plus later, you know, obviously you were the catalyst for getting him started. He's one of many. Now, let me tell you about Mark. Mark and Jerry were the only two people in all of network marketing that I lived with uh, for, let's say, probably two weeks at a time. Mark had flown me in. And I like Mark. There was something about him that I really liked. Now, picture this here. I'm of the Jewish faith. Mark is Christian. He insists, him and his wife, that I take his uh, room, their bedroom. And I say, I will not take your bedroom. No way. We insist. I say, okay. So I'm in the bedroom, and I notice a big cross hanging against the, uh, the wall. And I said, okay. Next, Mark asked me uh, that night, he said, Richard, you know, I, you know I'm a preacher uh, a pastor, and every Sunday, uh, you know, I, I, I do a sermon, and I'd love for you to be there. So I'd love to be there. I'd love to see you do that. Absolutely, I'll be there. So Sunday morning comes, we have breakfast, and now we're getting ready to go to church, and I see Mark carrying out this huge cross, and he's carrying it to the station wagon, puts it in the station wagon. We get to which was not a church, it was a um, uh, a library, very nice, had a lot of people there, gave a great sermon, great sermon, and now, they, you know, they passed the basket around, and he's now outside, after every, you know, shaking everyone's hand, and he comes over to me, 
him and his wife, and he says, see this? $3.75. i got to get out of this. I, got, I, 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 I can't handle this anymore. I'll never forget that. And Mark built the group. He had an urgency. He had an urgency. A tremendous. He told a lot of people, you know, uh, in this church about this. Nobody wanted to come in. And but that's how Mark built. Uh, Jerry Campisi lived with him, and I remember cooking for Jerry. They never ate right. Him and Gary Lemaris, they just never ate right. And they get people. I put I think 192 uh, line in chair in the uh, for them in the uh, Fort Lauderdale paper, and um, about freedom and lifestyle and this and that. And I'd be cooking, and, and they'd be interviewing people, and then Jerry would come to me and say, Rich, Rich, we've got somebody we want to talk to. I said, the sauce isn't ready yet, Jerry. I can't talk right now. We go, no, no, Rich, this is really serious. And then I would walk in, and the person's back would be to me, and I'd have the, the, big, <laughs> the, the big wooden spoon, and I'd be licking it. <laughs> we had such good times. We had such good times. And that's how we built that group. Giselle Sexsmith was there. Sitting up on the stairs in Jerry's home, they had a gorgeous home on the water, a nice boat in the backyard, and uh, she's asking me all these dumb questions. And I said, please, everybody, hold your questions till the meeting is over. And here's Giselle, and uh, she's sitting up on the stairs, and she's asking me all these, what, what, what happens when I, what happens? I said, can you please hold those questions? And then I finally said to her, could you do me a favor and please leave the meeting? And Jerry, like, almost died when I said that. And I show, and the reason I said that was, I asked everyone to hold all their questions, and she kept interrupting me. And I told Jerry, "You have to have control of the meeting. You can't let people do that to you." And look where John and Giselle are today: multi, 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 multi millionaires. Yeah, they've earned what over forty million since nineteen eighty-five. Or you know, they own the kick in the pants stores there and up oh, and down oh, the okay. coast. He had never been in multi-level. That was his first time. Never, never, and very, very. Good and short. But these are the people you meet. You meet people. Look, I can tell you stories about people that I would have bet my life on, would have never made it in the industry that proved me wrong. Not too many, but proved me wrong with what stories they had, with sicknesses and this and mothers and fathers and this. It comes down to timing. I don't care what anyone says. For you to be lucky enough, lucky enough to be in front of that person at the right time, at the right place in their life. That's what it all comes down to. You could be the greatest, and I don't care how much money you make, and I don't care if you ride around in a, in, a, in, a, in a Rolls Royce and try to impress everybody, which I've never done. Never have I ever done that. As a matter of fact, I very really, when you know the economy being the way it is today, and it is bad, and anybody that doesn't know that, it's getting worse. There's no question you can bet your life on that. I'm very into the whole financial community. You know, things are very, very, very bad today. And for people not to be able to recognize that they have to have a plan B, the day is going to come when they're going to really be down and out. It really is. So to me, this thing called multi-level marketing, what a way to build at first a part-time income and then take it as far as you want to take it. And there are people that come in. I never have ever told the person, quit what you're doing, get into this full-time. I've never told the person to do that. But when you're making more money than you're on the full-time, maybe that's time to think. Your full-time job, maybe that's time to think about it. Maybe that's time to think about it. Anybody Please. listening to this, yeah, multi-level marketing is too good to be true, but it is true. And all the stories, and there are plenty, plenty of horror stories out there, too, for people that get involved with the wrong people. There's no question about that. 
that people have jumped from program to program. No question about that. But the real good people that have done it and have been around for, you know, 30 and 40 years, they're not just being around for nothing. And those are the solid people. Those are the solid, solid people. I mean, you told me a story yesterday about someone that I never heard about that, that, that that's 85 years old today that did it and has made so much money. Those stories should be told in schools. That's a wonderful story. And I asked you to send me the interview you had with him. I can't wait to hear it. You know, you've always talked about the 40-year plan versus, you know, the three- to five-year plan, basically, you know, that you can do it because the leverage and, and numbers you can do in three to five years, or even if it took you eight or ten. Right. What most people can't do in 40. This gentleman I was telling you about, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, was a butcher for 40 years. He literally lived out the 40-year plan and, you know, just basically took care of his family, but, you know, was a dedicated butcher and then gets into network marketing, Richard, and from 74 to 85 makes $40 million. Okay, he was more productive from 74 to 85 than he was in the whole 40-year plan. If that's not enough to wake up people, I don't know what the hell is. You're right. You're absolutely, absolutely right. And that's what most people do. And for those of you that don't know what the 40 plan is, you, you, usually people at 25 know what they want to do with their life. And for the next 40 years until they're 65, they just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to a job. And then after 52 weeks, they get a two-week vacation, maybe. And that two weeks is spent around the house taking care of the things they can't afford to take care of. That's what it is. And then and that, that, that's the 40-year plan, and that's all it is. To be able to be so fortunate for someone to come up to you and say, hey, I'd like to tell you about an opportunity. Listen, listen, you know, listen, and also uh, uh, get into it and find out what it's all about because you're not going to find a job in the four corners of the earth that can compare with this thing we call multi-level marketing. Just can't do it. You're not. This interview has gone by way too fast, Richard, but as we're winding down, we're going a little bit of overtime here, but there's a couple of things that you've talked about for years. Very few people in recent years have had you have heard you talk about it. Now, what what you what all of you don't know about Richard is is that he's very um very video oriented. He does a lot of videos. He has a great uh, series of short videos with tips. I mean, these are million-dollar nuggets. Any one of what Richard Call puts out there can change your business, your life, your career, if you take it serious and if you apply what it is he's teaching. So he does a lot of these, and we're going to be doing some work together, um, some Google Hangouts with Richard and some other great leaders, and I'm excited that Richard's going to be doing some of that with me here in the future. But what, one of the things that you've talked about is a couple of things, and they kind of tie together. You did a video on the, you know, on the gold bricks, and you did a video, and you talked right. about how people would pump people up, and in, 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 it ties into what you just said about timing, that you've got to be lucky enough. But, but with the gold bricks you're talking about, and with, you know, the fact that you're showing the plan, showing the plan, showing the plan, okay, and not pumping people up, pumping people up that are already in, that you're showing more plans than you are pumping, that, they tie together. With what you're saying, and if you do enough of showing the plan, sifting, being constantly being the messenger, like you said, just getting out there doing the thing over and over again, you're going to get lucky by the fact that just the numbers, pure numbers, are going to allow you to find that Jerry Campisi, that Mark Carano. And that's why, going back to the beginning of the interview, you said that, and you know, it's just a couple people in a year. But if you're going through the bricks that we're talking about, the gold bricks, and I want you to share that and how you used to talk about pumping people up, because there was so much wisdom in those two simple but profound examples. Well, the Goldbrook story I heard 
when I first got in, show the plan, show the plan. You're just the messenger. That's all you are. And it doesn't matter, and this is really important, it doesn't matter whether they get in or not. What is the plan in my day? Your, it's the same today. Your story, uh, the company story, and then you put on a videotape, and I would always like clap my hands and say, like wipe my, something from my hands and say, more than that, you can't do. So they told me, just keep showing it, showing it, showing it. I, and, and every time you show it, imagine there's two men sitting on this uh, uh, on both sides of a table, and there's a phone there. And every time you show the plan, the phone, and I took everything seriously, the phone is going to ring, and one of those guys goes, uh-huh, Richard showed the plan uh, once? Okay, thank you. And they get a gold brick, and they place it down on the floor, and it was worth $400. And then uh-huh, he showed it nine times, nine bricks. Showed it 20 times, 20 more bricks worth $400. And all of a sudden, this thing would get, it would be like building a dam. And all of a sudden, it would get so high, and then one day it would start wavering when they put on another gold brick. And all of a sudden, here comes all this money. And as I look back, those gold bricks were probably worth 10000 20000 Just by doing the same thing over and over. Show the plan, show the plan, show the plan. Fine, you like it? Thank you. You don't like it? Thank you. On to the next person. But that's the gold brick story, and that stuck with me and still does today. Just keep showing it, showing it, showing it, showing it. doesn't matter if they get in or not. And a lot of times those people will get back to you because maybe the timing isn't right for them. And maybe, I used to love saying this, two, three months you get a phone call, hey, Rich, you're still in that thing? I says, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm in that thing. And the thing is even way better than I thought it was. And, and from that, I used to send people also handwritten letters. In my day, you didn't have computers, and I do it today. A handwritten letter, something like, let's say I showed you the plan, Tony. I'd say, dear Tony, I want to apologize to you. I want to really apologize to you for not making you see what I saw. And looking back, I really didn't understand what I was involved in. But it's a hundred times better than I thought it was. Maybe something in your life has changed, blah, blah, blah. And did I get a couple of people on that? Yeah, I did. I got a lot of response on it. I can't say, oh, I sponsored 20 people that became millionaires on it. But a good couple of people I got back on that. But I was still into my thing. I, was, I always did the right thing. I, always, I was always working, always thinking of ways to promote the business, to promote myself, to get through to people and try and, like, shake them. And I'll tell you something, still today, there'll be times that, my present wife, Lizanne, I was very fortunate to find love twice. We celebrated our uh, 16th anniversary. Uh, she'll say to me sometimes, what's the matter? What's bothering you? And I'll say, and she just said to me maybe two days ago, what's bothering you? I said, I can't understand why everybody doesn't see this. I can't understand. Not thinking of, oh, I could be making money. Why doesn't everybody understand an opportunity? Why do people just cast it away and say, Oh, that's one of those pyramid things. And better than that, I don't care. It doesn't have to be multi-level marketing. A person was walking down the street, and then and, 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 and you were handing the keys to a brand-new Rolls Royce and said to that person, you're the luckiest person in the world. Rolls Royce is just putting out a promotion. Uh, they're giving this car away, and you couldn't give the car away. Because, I mean, no, thank you. No, don't even want to hear it. And let's say it was a legitimate, legitimate promotion. 
Sometimes, you know, people, no, I don't want to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. Not interested. And the only way you can get that Rolls Royce is if somebody just said, wow, I guess this is my lucky day. Thank you so much. You'll never get that. You'll never get that. People are very skeptical. People are very, you know, they get out of their comfort zone when somebody walks up to them and says, hey, would you like to hear about something that is fabulous? If everybody did that all the, like on a weekend and just went into the malls and everything, I can't even imagine what they can do because there are people ready to hear the message. But I was like Mark Carinell getting out of his comfort zone early on when he realized that he needed to expand, going into hotels and talking to sharp business people and saying, look, if I could show you how to make an extra 100000 a month, would you listen to me? Right. I mean, he used to blow people's minds with stuff like that, but there were a few that right. paid attention. No question about it. And I'd be the same type and say, yeah, 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 you show me where how I can make it. I would not cast that person off and just say, no way, I'm not interested. Cause you'd but yet Mark, whose car was being... Yeah, Mark, whose car was being repossessed, you know, that was in that was a preacher of that church that you helped him get started, did get over a hundred thousand dollars a month and has made well over thirty million so far. Oh yeah, year. he made well well over that. Well over that. So what what a beautiful story. You know, so the gold brick theory, you know, if you're out there putting out those, if you're focusing on those gold bricks and what they're worth, you don't have the time to pump people up. And because I know people would call you or you talk to them, what are you doing? What have you been doing? Oh, I'm just pumping up this person. I'm pumping up that person. Talk about that because that's the antithesis. That's one of the reasons that failure, it's not really failure. It's just that people haven't aren't doing the right. They don't fail. They quit. But the reason that they don't become successful a lot of times is they're wasting time with the wrong people, and they're just pumping them up. You know, when you just mentioned, when you first mentioned about five minutes ago, pumping up people, I didn't really get it because there's so many stories I have, and now I do remember it. I'd be on stage and go on and looking to the right and saying to my brother, Ron, we're going to do this, we'll be together, and I'd be like making like I'm pumping up a thing, like a, a bicycle, pumping it up. And my brother would be going, mm, 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 like, like, a, like I'd be pumping them up like a balloon, and almost like flying off the stage. And then I go to my sister on the left, Marsha, this is going to be the most, and then I turn around, and I look at my brother, he's all deflated. And then I go back and I pump him up again, and then I, and then I can see my sister's deflated. And then I learned, you can't help everybody. You just can't do it. And most people, if they want to spend, and usually it's mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, niece, nephews. You want it for them more than they want it for themselves. But you got to learn to let go and just forget about it instead of just pumping them up. Of course, they, as, as much as they can be pumped up, they're just going to be deflated anyway. They're just going to be deflated. It's not the right time for them. And for a lot of people, it'll never be the right time. But I know a lot of people, heck, I just had somebody over here the other day that was 18 years old out of L.A. She's in this certain program. Her last check was $40,000, 18 years old, 18 years wow. old. You know, it's just amazing, amazing, amazing. It is, it is amazing. And, you know, it's that pumping up theory, you know, it's, it, it's what really takes a lot of people out. They're trying to manage what they don't have. You can't make a work of art if you don't have the plaster of Paris to refine it. You've got to have the base. You've got to have the people that are willing to do something and move forward. You can't manage them. You can lead by example. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube, or at least it's very difficult. I don't know if anybody can. It's hard pushing ropes and noodles. You know, I had Jeff Roberti on that that long ago, and he says, you know, it's like trying to push a noodle off a table. 
That's very hard to do. And at the end of the day, you can't do anything for them. They've got to want to do it for themselves. And the greatest analogy I've heard since, you know, Larry Thompson and I did, did some event, did an event here recently. We talked about lifting weights. At the end of the day, Richard, if someone wants to get in shape, you can't go to the gym for them. You can't put the suit on. You can't get them out of bed, shake them up, get them to go, lift the weight. You can't get them to do any of that. And if they're not willing to do the work, if they're not willing to lift those weights, they're never going to change their body. Well, how in multi-level marketing is it any different than lifting weights? It's not. No different, no different than multi-level marketing or anything else. You know, to achieve, to achieve greatness and help others. And when I say greatness, greatness is not for yourself. Greatness is how many people have you helped and how many people have, uh, have they helped. That, to me, is what greatness is. Not just what And, boy, if you help so many, it's not even funny. And speaking of helping, you know, because I know we're – we're over time here on the interview, but you wrote a book, uh, the book on multi-level marketing. It was very powerful, very short, very simple. I believe that's on. Um, that's actually on PDF. That people can actually get that right online. People can go to richardcole.com and order it for free. I love that. I, I love that. You hear what Richard just said, and it's Richard Call with a K. Just so you know, just in case, richardcall.com. The book on multi-level marketing, simple but profound, and actually what's in that book is all somebody would need to know to get them moving forward in a successful career, in my opinion, in multi-level. Right. Thank you. And it's not going to be free for much longer because a big, um, uh, what do you call it, a big house and um, publisher, uh, I believe in Sweden, uh, Zurich, love the book, and they're getting ready to put it out worldwide, probably, hopefully, next three, four months, which I'll have to Take it off that, yeah. So uh, I just wrote. Well, a listen, guys. You, for now, get it while you can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get it whether you got to pay for it or not. Believe oh, me. Get it, well, I'll tell you right now, it's free, and I've always, I've never made money, Tony, ever on sales aids. I just never have. I donate everything to my favorite charities. I've never ever made a penny on a book, and I've sold a lot of books and and, and tapes and things like that. I just don't. That's, that's, I know that to be true. I, I love that. Listen, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the Flight Edge Zone today, and I'm looking forward to doing some of these G-plus video-based hangouts with you and a few other unbelievably powerful people like Jimmy Possibly that we talked about and uh, Larry Thompson and getting you on some of those because um, what you have to share, I mean, after doing this for as long as you have, an hour is nothing. I mean, you could go for days and days and days, 24-7, teaching people uh, the wisdom. There's two parts of this business. You know, there's the art and the science. The science, you know, how to do a meeting, how to do a presentation, how to do an invite, how to do a follow-up 48-hour training, getting started training. That's all the, more of the science. But the art, okay, the music. You know, my mom couldn't read music very well. I know you're very musically inclined. You've got a hell of a voice, Richard, but... My mom played the accordion. You're welcome. She played the accordion. She couldn't really read music, but she had one heck of an ear. And this music that has to be developed in a leader in network marketing, it comes in time. It comes by being in the living rooms. It comes by being on the calls. It comes by doing the thing, getting the nose, expanding your belief system. And it comes in time. And when you've got the music, you don't, you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. They're just going to want to know what it is. They're just going to feel something different. When Richard looks somebody in the eye. I mean, when you looked me in the eye in the audience years ago, I could tell it wasn't what you said. It's how you felt about what you said that attracted me, that caught me. It was not so much the words. It was just how you felt about what you said. And if you stick around long enough, 
If you read the books, if you listen to interviews like this, if you listen to the HBRN, unbelievable material that we put out every single day. If you go to events for your company, whatever it is, if you show up, you're going to have your likelihood for success gets better day by day. And then one day, the right person, like Richard said, you'll be lucky enough and they'll come across and your business will start to explode. And you do that two or three times and it's game over. Most people don't ever stick around, though, Richard, as you know. I know. Long enough to experience that. I know. Tony, let me say this. You're a great interviewer. You do your, you do your job very, very well, and it's a pleasure and an honor uh, to be on your show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Likewise, my friend, the thought of uh, learning from you years ago and the fact that I can actually share you with the world and help get your message out there, it's like, it's, I can't even tell you, it's pinch me. It's, it's a blessing that I, I, I'm even having a hard time accepting, but I tell you what, I'm very, very very, very blessed and, and very grateful to have this opportunity and time. With that, my friend, we'll be on with some future, like I said, in the future, right. some video material. Thanks again. Have a beautiful weekend, and thanks again for being on the Flight Edge Zone. Same to you, Tony. Thank you. Bye-bye. Helping you capture your dreams. This is the Home Business Radio Network.